This is Hope FM. And we're delighted that we're joined by Rachel Solis, who's the Community Support and Volunteer Manager for the International Care Network. Good morning, Rachel. Morning. And I gather you've been in Hope FM before. Yes, this would be my third time. Third time. She can ask us the questions, really, and she can just take over <laughs> at that point. But just in case people never heard you on those other occasions, tell us what the International Care Network is. Yes, so International Care Network, or ICN, is a local Christian charity that supports refugees, asylum seekers and vulnerable migrants in the BCP and Dorset area. Right. So why was it set up in the first place? That's a great question. So originally it was set up about 20 years ago in response to a large group of Kosovans and Afghan refugees who were in the area And um, it was apparent that they needed English classes. So a group of people got together to start offering English lessons and through that just realised that there were a lot more needs present that they weren't able to address. So it kind of grew from there. It grew to meet the needs. And it's just been kind of growing and adapting for the last 20 years as new needs come up, really. I didn't realise it had been going that long. Yeah. I thought it was sort of new response to the refugee crisis. So way yeah, back. We're, we're kind of um, seeing the second wave of Afghan refugees now because the, the first wave that um, ICN first worked with would have been fleeing from the Taliban 20 years ago or so. So it's it's well established in, in the Bournemouth and Poole area. History of repeating itself almost. Unfortunately so. Yes. So on a day-to-day basis, I can see the whole thing and challenge mm. of that. On a day-to-day ba- basis, what does work look like for ICN? Well, so our main desire and our heart behind what we do is to walk with the refugee, the asylum seeker. So we provide practical support in a variety of ways. So we're looking at immigration advice in our building, things like visa applications, um, non-immigration advice or general advice. So benefit applications, housing applications, budgeting, um, school applications, things like that. Um, English classes, both in our office and out in the community for women, so women-only English classes, um, homework clubs for primary school children, and then we have two pieces of work that are contracted by the local council. So we work with the local um, asylum-seeking minors in the area to support them, and we also provide contracted support work for Syrian and Afghan resettlement families in the area. So if a typical refugee arrived in Bournemouth, Mm. how would they have found you? Well, I think a lot of it is word of mouth, to be honest, because they're all very well connected with each other. So they'll very rarely come to the area and not have a single connection here. Um, And because we've been going for so long, chances are that someone they know will have worked with us at some point in the last 20 years (laughs) their kids might have come to homework club or they might have done a visa application with us or done english classes um and that's how they kind of tend to come across us but sometimes they're referred in by social workers or other charities british red cross things like that okay so what are the biggest challenges for you i mean you obviously in 20 years have probably Mm. faced a few Yes, I think at the moment 
the biggest challenge, I think, is working in an environment that changes so quickly. So the needs change really fast and we have to learn to adapt to those very quickly. But then in terms of more practical and tangible challenges, we're facing a real lack of affordable housing at the moment, which is a county-wide problem. It's nothing specific to the people that we work with. But for our resettlement families, for example, we can't receive new families until we have privately rented affordable accommodation available for them. So we often appeal to churches and private landlords who are willing to rent at compassionate rates, so local, perhaps to the local housing allowance rates. So that's an, an issue because housing just is short. Um, and then we're also always on the lookout for work or volunteering opportunities for those we work with so they can start to build a CV, get into work, start to integrate, start earning, etc. Um, and that's a challenge as well, trying to find employers who are willing to work with us um, and those that we support. The sort of things that you've described is a vast range of things. How do you become an expert in all those things? <laughs> I don't know if we do. I think it is a case of um, just constantly trying to adapt to things. Um, so we try and, you know, we have a really good relationship with the local council and we're really fortunate in that. So we stay in touch with them to to keep up with what's going on in terms of the council response to things but also it's a case of just doing the research keeping your ear to the ground and you learn by doing that's what I found I've been at ICN for four years now oh right and quite young in <laughs> <laughs> I was I was quite young when I started for sure um but I think it the best way to learn is just to have to and to be in it and on the ground. Is it a unique organisation? I mean, obviously it's in Bournemouth. Mm. Are, are there parallel organisations in other cities that maybe you've had contact with, learnt from? or? Yes, absolutely. So we're, you know, we're in touch with other organisations. There's lots in Bristol. There are some in Taunton. Um, so we're in a kind of what's called a Southwest Migration Partnership, um, which includes local councils and um, community sponsorship groups and other charities there's absolutely loads in cities like birmingham manchester london so there are other charities doing the work that we do nationally doing some very similar work and then also doing things that we don't do and then we do things that they don't do so we're really grateful for the connections that we have because we do do quite a lot of information sharing but then also asking each other questions and saying has this worked for you in the past yeah. did this not work how did you go about it and learning from them i should imagine actually the average person in the street will probably never guess that so much actually is happening with refugees mm. it's almost um, a hidden activity but they know about refugees because obviously it's the papers all the time mm. uh, but anyway we'll learn more about that uh, in the next but you've, you've picked Can't a wait. song, interesting song, because it's done by Keith and Christine Getty, who were around in the UK a couple of weeks ago celebrating the 50th anniversary of Prom Praise. So why this particular song? It's one of my favourites, and I think it's a hymn that just very clearly lays out the biblical imperative for, um, well, compassion and walking with the stranger and welcoming the stranger and treating people as if they were Jesus. Let's hear the Compassion Hymn, Keith and Christine Getty. Mm -hmm. 
This is Hope FM. Keith and Kirsten Getty there. And a reminder that while we see on the news uh, stories of war, or his government plans to fly people uh, to another country or tag them electronically, at the centre of it all are real people. And what we really need at the centre is um, a compassion. And delighted to say um, that Rachel from International Care Network, um, the local Christian charity is this Christian charity based here in Bournemouth, um, supporting um, some of those people um, who are in most of need of that um, uh, compassion. Um, thank you. A brilliant track uh, to choose uh, for the interview uh, this morning, um, Rachel. And of course, we've been talking as it's National Refugee Week. Very appropriate that you could be here. So, what's your understanding of what a refugee is? Because I know the word is just banded about, but what what do you think? It is used a lot at the moment, isn't it? So the dictionary definition of a refugee is someone who has been forced to leave their home country due to conflict, violence or persecution and has a well-founded fear of returning due to persecution because of perhaps membership of a certain social group, political group, their gender... Um, what they did as a job, something like that, that puts them specifically at risk. Um, so that's the kind of dictionary definition. But when I think about the word refugee, and I think I'm privileged in this sense, I generally see the faces of those that I have got to know over the last four years, um, who I think are incredibly courageous, resilient individuals And I think that's really valuable for me because, as you say, the word refugee is used so much. It's become a group noun. But as we were saying before, it is individuals with a story and a lot of heartbreak and a lot of courage and resilience. So I think Refugee Week gives us the chance to stop, recognise and celebrate those individuals under that umbrella Mm -hmm. of the word refugee. Yeah. If you watch the news, each week there are stories of refugees. It just never goes uh, away. Mm. It's a very emotive subject Mm -hmm. um, from various angles. And as you see the current situation unfolding, without us being political, Mm. just the facts of it, how, how do you feel about that? I think, yeah, there's a lot of things going on at the moment which personally don't sit well with me. Um, policies and attitudes held nationally that I think do not honour the individual and do not respect the individual. And um, our CEO, Rebecca, spoke the other week on BBC Radio Solent um, about, you know, the plan to send people to Rwanda and the fact that it just, it's not well thought through, it doesn't make sense and it there's no evidence to suggest that it's going to be financially helpful or going to make any difference in the kind of crisis that, that the government's talking about. Because the government, of course, think that by having that exit uh, route, uh, they're going to reduce the number of people coming across the channel and putting themselves at risk. Mm. So you think that that is an unlikely result? I don't think there's any evidence at this point that that is what it's going to do. Um, and I think it's it's only 
causing more trauma at the moment to those individuals who are now sat in hotels in the UK thinking, am I going to be next? Am I going to get a text telling me that I'll be on the next flight to, to Rwanda? Um, so I think at this point there's there's no evidence that it's it's going to make a positive difference. Of course, the flight never got off. Never got off. <laughs> uh, eventually, when they whittled down the number that they started with, I think they ended up with four. Uh, and, yep. and then the four turned to the plane not flying yep. because of challenges that were coming from the European court. So I think that's not going to go away. I gather that there's probably going to be a review of the whole thing in July as well. Yes, I will admit I don't know the ins and outs, but that's what I've gathered as well, that it's it's not going to go away, that they will be thinking about next steps already, but that um, there will be plenty of petitioning, lobbying parties, legal advice organisations involved on, on both sides. On both sides. So... It's a problem that the government have got. It's a problem that's not going to go away. Mm. So uh, if we've got the situation that's ongoing, obviously organisations like ICN uh, are supporting the ones that actually get here. But from a bigger perspective, you know, how, how, do we, how do you view what we do with the refugee crisis if we don't send people to Rwanda and we've still got people coming across the channel? It's a problem on our doorstep, seemingly more in the UK than it is in other countries. Oh, that's what it feels like to me. So, so how do you view mm. that? I, I actually think that that feeling is created by the media because we are not very high up in the list of countries receiving asylum seekers or refugees um, nationally or in Europe. And countries like France, Germany, Belgium are receiving a huge amount more than, than we are. So I think our, the media plays a big role in making it seem... They use words like tidal wave or influx, which are perhaps not the most helpful because it, again, it anonymizes the individual. Um, we're a wealthy country. We have the resources to care for these individuals and provide them with sanctuary. But the system currently finds that challenging. And that's why I think charities like ourselves are so important because we we whilst nationally there's maybe an attitude that's uncomfortable, I think there are a lot of incredible people doing work to make people feel welcome. There's lots of charities, there's a lot of goodwill. Um, we see it every single day here in Bournemouth that people want to welcome and be kind and show kindness and generosity. And of course, being topical, the whole issue about Ukraine. So are you mm -hmm. seeing Ukrainians get here? Yes, yep. Um, so there have been matches locally, quite a few, um, and BCP Council is working really closely with the sponsors, so those who are hosting the Ukrainians in their homes, um, to help help those families settle. Yes. So looking at the organisation at the moment, what are your greatest needs? So I think... As I mean, we mentioned before about the housing and the employment issues, but um, I think one of our needs at the moment, we're currently fundraising on Just Giving for a mental health practitioner to join our team and develop a new piece of work to allow us to be able to support our kind of 
client-based service users as as they are um, with mental health support. So emotional, kind of well-being type things. And those it's, are going to be some of the things that they're going to be experiencing, aren't they? Oh, my goodness. We see it time and time again that you can meet the practical needs, but without that emotional and mental kind of support, if, if you're feeling the trauma, the PTSD, etc., it doesn't matter so much that your emotional, that your practical needs, sorry, are met. You can't thrive. You can survive, but you can't thrive. So we're fundraising at the moment to be able to employ someone to pioneer that work in ICN. Um, and that campaign is live. It's on our website. It's on Just Giving. And I think that at the moment is our most exciting need, as it were. So if you had a crystal ball and look through to the next five years, where would you like to be in five years' time? Gosh, well, I'd love to see the mental health work just have really taken off and be be well established. And I'd love to see the positive impacts um, in those that we serve from having that input. Um, that's one thing. And then I think it's really hard as I've said before, the needs change so quickly that, you know, I started four years ago and couldn't have predicted any of the things that I'd be doing now and the mm-hmm. people that I'd be working with specifically. So I think it's really difficult to say where we'll be in five years. But I think despite all the changes and, you know, we've been through a lot of staff changes and organizational changes while I've been at ICN, but the fundamental, the commitment to prayer the commitment to walk alongside people long-term, to love people consistently, that has remained the same and I believe will remain the same over the next five years. We're going to still have that um, that love that comes from the Lord to just treat people well and with dignity. So if people want to know about ICN, find mm-hmm. out more, where should they look? Well, good question. So we've got a website, um, www.icn.org.uk. And then you can also search on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, even LinkedIn for International Care Network Bournemouth. Um, will pop up. We've got loads going on on our social media, especially this week for um, Refugee Week. And we'll have links there to our Just Giving campaign if anyone wants to have a look at that campaign and perhaps donate. Um, so I, I would suggest go from there and feel free to drop us a line. <laughs> uh, We'd well, love to hear from they'll you. They'll have a lot to read, that's for sure, when they, when they see <laughs> the spectrum of all the things that you do. This is Hope FM.